and shape us through your word tonight, we pray in your name. Amen. And you may be seated. There is a uh, hymn in the Baptist hymnal, page uh, 211, that's called, I Love Thee. And uh, one of the stanzas is, I love thee, I love thee, I love thee, my Lord. I love thee, my Savior, I love thee, my God. I love thee, I love thee, and that thou dost know. But how much I love thee, my actions will show. Uh, it, what's interesting about that hymn, and it's not just you know exclusive to this hymn, there are others, but no one really knows who uh, wrote that poem that would be made into a hymn. It's given the, uh, the author is anonymous. Uh, nobody knows. But there is... Uh, profound truth in those words as simple as they are the reality that God loves us uh, and and that we love the Lord those of us who uh, know him as our Lord and Savior we love the Lord but it is a something certainly to ponder when we think about the the reality of how much we love thee my actions will show um, I was uh uh, thinking about prayer and and uh, the power of prayer and and sometimes you know uh, you know God knows what we need before we ever ask and and yet prayer is such a powerful thing but um, sometimes we can get wordy and God doesn't need all the words uh, he just needs us to get to the point uh, I remember uh, something I read from a guy by the name of Bobby Richardson, he was a, a former second baseman for the New York Yankees, and he was at a Fellowship of Christian Athletes um, meeting, and they asked uh, Bobby to pray, and, uh, and this is what he prayed. It, it is one of the most classic cases of, of brevity, but yet it was very poignant, and this is what he said. He prayed, Dear God, your will, nothing more, nothing less, nothing else. Amen. And that'll do. That'll do. Uh, the psalmist reminds us in verse 1 and in verse 2 there that God answers prayer. I love the Lord because God answers prayer. I wonder if, and maybe you've done this before, but have you ever thought of just taking a piece of paper and from a personal standpoint begin to write the reasons down for you loving the Lord. Why do you love the Lord? Somebody was to ask you that, what might you say? Um, I'm sure a lot of things come to mind, but it would be something if we just took a, a blank piece of paper and began to write the answers to that personally. Why do we love the Lord? Well, the psalmist said in verse 1 and in verse 2, because God answers prayer. I, I, I take for granted, I have in my life before, uh, the, re, the, the beautiful aspect of, of a child growing up in a Christian home. And just being around my mom and a dad that believed in prayer and that, that, that prayer was something that we experienced together and that we were, we were taught to pray. And if you think about it, prayer is, is such a powerful thing. It's such a needed thing for uh, God's people and, and even those who are lost. You know, it is through prayer that we ask Christ to be our Savior. 
It's through prayer that we confess uh, our sins, you know. Um, it, is, it is through that prayer that we seek God for help in areas of our life. It is through prayer uh, as that avenue that we also help God and then we implore upon God to help others. And we know that God answers prayer. God may not always answer prayer the way we would like for him to answer. But we do know that God hears every prayer and that God does give us an answer. It may not be yes, uh, it might not be no, it might be, uh, you know, later, but God hears prayer and God answers prayer. And sometimes the things that I really wish God would have answered in my life, when I look back on it years later, I'm, I'm grateful that he didn't. Uh, they were great things to me, good ideas, certainly God would answer this prayer, um, but he chose not to. And uh, through uh, hindsight, through looking back through history, we can see how God in his providence and his wisdom is always looking out for his children and how he loves us. But the psalmist says that I love the Lord because he has heard my voice and my supplications. Supplications are your prayers. God knows your needs. God knows our needs. And God desires for us to communicate to him and talk with him through prayer and to uh, ask for those things that we need. We're told to boldly approach that throne of grace in our time of need. No matter uh, what that may be. It might be at night. It might be first thing in the morning. But we're told to call upon the name of the Lord. God desires to hear from his people. And just as an earthly father would want to uh, minister and help his family and meet the needs of his family. So God being our father uh, desires uh, to meet the needs of his children. God even, God even meets the wants sometimes. He's just, he's just that good. The psalmist reminds us that I love the Lord because he has heard my prayer, my voice, my supplications. He's inclined his ear to me. It's the idea of God really intently listening. You know, um, we've probably all had that moment where we've been to somebody to share something or we had a, a, a real concern. And, and as we begin to talk to them, it doesn't take us long to realize that their attention is elsewhere. Ever been in a situation like that? It probably made you a little mad. And they just, through their body language, completely are dismissing uh, your concerns, even though they're pretending to listen. But you know that they're really not. Uh, you can tell as soon as you start that they don't have, want to have anything. They don't care what you're saying. They've made their decision. doesn't matter. God's not like that. God inclines... The psalmist says he inclined his ear to me. God listens. God hears the prayers of his saints. What a blessing that is. To know that the king of glory, the king of all kings and the lord of all lords inclines his ear to me. He is interested in what I need. And the psalmist says, therefore I will call upon him as long as I live. What a beautiful statement. What a beautiful commitment. To love the Lord because he answers prayer. But later on in that psalm, the psalmist says something else. In verse 8 he says, For you have delivered my soul from death, my eyes from tears, and my feet from falling. I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. It's the idea of God delivering us out of uh, not just uh, physical death per se, but spiritual death. The reality that in this world... There's trouble, there's tribulation, 
none of us can slow down time. Our bodies grow old. They become weak at some point. Uh, if, if we're not here when the Lord returns, our, our bodies will, we, we will cease to be physically. That, that's uh, uh, as, as sure as life itself is the death of this body. Even uh, if we go in the rapture, this body cannot go into the presence of the Lord. It's not uh, suited for heaven. This is, this is a body. This is an earth suit. It's made to walk around here. It's not made to be in heaven and in the presence of the Lord. So either way, this has got to go. But spiritual death, spiritual death is what the psalmist, I believe, is concerned. You've delivered my soul from death. You, you've taken me out of the camp of the dead, and you've brought me into the camp of the living. God delivers us from this spiritual death and in that replaces that Adamic nature with his very spirit, the spirit of God. Exchanges the old man for the new man in Christ. Psalmist says, I love the Lord because he delivered my soul from death. You know, um, in this life, there are a lot of things that I guess people could take away. Um, you know, if you if you, if you live in a in a in a in a world that is very hostile to the gospel, it can cost you a lot of things. Um, when you uh, read through the New Testament and you think about those that are being persecuted for their faith, many of them lost their livelihoods and their homes, and and certainly even their lives. There's a lot that this world can take away from people. And we see that all the time. But my salvation, the world did not give it to me. And therefore the world cannot take it away. I am secure in the Lord. And no matter what they take away from me, even this body, even this life, they cannot take away the soul that has been saved and set free from the power of God. Um, as we're walking through uh, Revelation and we're thinking about those churches and those, those histories uh, of those churches, the, the ages of those churches, um, one name that would, will come up uh, with respect to the translation of the Word of God is, is uh, John Wycliffe. And to the Church of England, uh, to the Catholic Church, uh, John's preachers were known as the, the poor preachers. They were lollards, the people that translated the word of God. And after he died, and after his work continued, and the word of God would be translated at that time from Latin into English so that the common people could understand the Bible and, and realize how much they were being taken advantage of by those who were supposed to be shepherding them, they would become so angry with the work of John Wycliffe that they would dig the man up and burn his bones. I mean, today, if you visit England, there's Lollard Pit. There is the place where you can go and stand where they would burn those who translated the Word of God into the common language. And they so despised that word that long after... John Wycliffe had died that they dug him up and burned his bones. Now, listen. 
John didn't care. He couldn't have cared less. He wasn't in that grave. He's in the presence of the Lord. You can burn it all. And back then, they did. I'm going to tell you, you read through the, the Dark Ages, they believed in burning stuff, brother, let me tell you. They burned everything. Now, the world didn't give him his salvation. And therefore, when he breathed his last breath, he stepped into the presence of God. God had long secured his soul. And what they did with his body or even his bones, it didn't matter. This world can take a lot away from people. The world can take a lot away from you and me. But they cannot take away our soul. If, we've, if we are right with the Lord, and as the psalmist said, He has saved my soul from death. Uh, and, and furthermore, uh, He talks about my eyes from tears and my feet from falling. You know, not only does the psalmist say that I love God because he's, he answers prayer and he, and he delivers me from this spiritual death. But God even delivers you from your bad decisions too. Now, it doesn't mean that, you know, there's not, there, there is cause and then there is effect, you know. And maybe we need to revisit that in our culture today. Uh, that would be good to understand that. There's always the repercussions of decisions that we make, good or bad. But I'm grateful tonight that in some of my dumbness and stupidity, God has even saved me from that. He didn't have to, but he, but he even did that on, on some occasions. What about you tonight? You think about those times that, boy, I, that was not smart and I deserved what was coming and God intervened in a way to just, maybe he just said, bless your heart. You know, I don't know. Maybe he looked at me and he said that. He just thought that, bless his heart, you know, poor fella. But he had mercy on me. And the psalmist reminds us that, that God even, he delivers us from, from bad decisions. And we need to understand that when, when we get saved and we're justified before God, sometimes we, we leave the cross and we don't stay there long enough to realize that in addition to God saving our souls for all eternity, he wants to do even more than that in your life and in my life. Not only does God want to save us from those decisions, He wants to empower us through the wisdom of His Word to not make those kinds of decisions. God's, doing, God's interested in doing so much more than saving our souls from eternity. Although I'm grateful for that. Hallelujah. That's the main thing. But there's something beyond just settling that and settling in. And getting in this rut of life where, you know, I'm better than them. I'm, I'm not so good. As, you know, we get, that, that's not the point. God did not save us to just sit there in that rocking chair of grace waiting for the sweet by and by. God called us, equipped us, and God desires that we be on mission for Him. Making choices that not only affect us, but those around us as well. We are people of influence. And they do have eternal consequences in nature. So, so I think about that. You know, what are the personal reasons? As the psalmist says, you know, I love, I love you, Lord. You answer prayer. You, you've delivered my soul from death. You've saved me from bad decisions. What are, what are personal things in my life that I, could, that I could write down? Just thank you, God, for these things. Something to certainly ponder. 
The psalmist says, I love you, Lord, because of these things. The hymn writer of that poem said, I love thee, Lord, I love thee. But at the end of the day, how much I love thee, my actions will show. How much I love thee, my actions will show. In verse 12 of Psalm 116, the psalmist says, What shall I render to the Lord for all his benefits toward me? In, in, in other words, in, in light of this awareness that I love God, and I understand that God loves me. And, and by the way, I, I love God because he first loved me. We know that. That's scripture, First John 4, verse 9, I believe. We love God. We can say we love God because He's first loved us. And the psalmist there in verse 12 says that he asked that question, What shall I render to the Lord? In other words, how will I express to the Lord my love for Him? And he gives us some reasons. As a matter of fact, if we back up a little bit, in verse 9 he says, I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. A walk before God. Conduct, behavior that's pleasing unto the Lord. That daily there would be a reminding in the mind of the psalmist here that, that I am abiding in the presence of a great and powerful and wonderful God. Walking before the Lord in the land of the living. Aware of His presence in my home and where I go. Uh, you know, young people today that Come to know the Lord. Uh, they, they take the Lord with them wherever they go. Classroom, uh, uh, to, to work. Wherever we go, we take the presence of the Lord. For young people on the playground, what goes on there, the conversations they have, uh, they take the Lord in the land of the living. In other words, uh, we're, we're surrounded by people. We're, we're on uh, this uh, planet Earth and we're, we're walking and we're doing and we're going and we're living. And, and in the land of the living, how is our life influencing others for the Lord Jesus? I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. See, if we don't have this honest awareness that we are abiding in the presence of the Lord, we tend to worry less about self-control. No, it is this awareness that we should be reminded of that. That if we're tempted to do evil, we're aware that the Lord is there. And even in the difficult times of life, this awareness challenges us to do the best even in difficulty. We know through history that despite persecution, the church grows during those times. Because it is in the midst of the battle and in the midst of that difficulty that the awareness of this abiding presence of the Lord encourages and strengthens and challenges us to be the best even in the difficulty that, that we face. In verse 13, the psalmist says, I will take up the cup of salvation and call upon the name uh, of the Lord. I think, again, that's just a desire to put forth an earnest effort to experience everything that God has planned for me. 
in verse 13, I'll, I'll take up the cup of salvation. I will call upon the name of the Lord. I think this is that continuing this habit of, of prayer and, and talking to God and listening to God and walking with God. In verse 14, the psalmist says, I will pay my vows to the Lord now in the presence of all of his people. In other words, I'll keep my promises to God. My, my commitment to the Lord, the commitment that I've made in the presence of others, uh, I will be accountable. I will be committed. I will be surrendered to the Lord. I won't take this commitment lightly, but it will be serious to me so that I might follow through. You know, that is why one of the reasons God gave us the local church for that reason. There's far more accountability in, in, in with the, the church between one another. And, that, and that's why when we disconnect from the church and we just want to be out here on an island by ourselves, we don't tend to do much for the glory of God. What we tend to do is we, we tend to get lazy. We tend to get slack. And whatever we're around, we just, we just kind of conform to and God calls us to transformation. And God gave us the church and uh, for the equipping of the saints, a, a pastor and, and teachers and leaders. And he, he gave us this place we could come and worship together and encourage each other. The church is not man's idea. Meeting together and fellowship and things of that nature, those are not men's ideas. That, that's straight from the Word of God. This is from the heart of God for His people that He wants us to be together and, and, and to come together and be united under, under the principles and the precepts of the Word of God and be committed and focused to taking this gospel to the ends of the, world, of the earth and have a good time doing it and enjoying the comfort of one another. Finally, in verse 17, the psalmist says that I will offer to you the sacrifice of thanksgiving and I will call upon the name of the Lord. A sacrifice of thanksgiving. A life characterized by one of gratitude and thanksgiving. Thankfulness is something you've got to practice at. It has to be cultivated. It doesn't come naturally. We want it to be a habit. But it has to be practiced because it's easy, uh, it's easy to see what's wrong. It's easy to focus on what is not going right. An attitude of thankfulness, a heart of gratitude has to be cultivated. Uh, there, there are plenty in the world that are there to rob you of your joy, to steal your joy. But if we're honest tonight, we're blessed. God is good to us. So, that hymn writer says, I love thee, Lord, I love thee, Lord. And that thou dost know. But how much I love thee, my actions will show. Martin Luther said this, he said, The true living faith which the Holy Spirit instills into the heart simply cannot be idle. What is that? That is my actions showing. That I believe, and not only do I believe, but I am acting in faith 
on that which I believe. I read a story years ago about the work in Calcutta that Mother Teresa had done for years and years and years. And I mean, basically, for a large portion of her life, she just ministered to people that were left to die. I mean, that's just pretty much there in Calcutta. They, they just would drop off children, people that, you know, they could take care of them. And they were going to die eventually. And, and that's what they did. They just took care of people that were, that were dying. They were sick. They didn't have what they needed to to really help, but they were just trying to make people comfortable in these latter stages of their life. And, you know, some dignitary that, you know, probably wanted a photo op came over there and just looked at all of that, and he asked her a question. He said, you know, I, with all of this that's just, it's just such a hopeless situation, and he said, how, how do you measure success in this? And her response was simple. She said, I'm not, I'm not called to be successful. I'm just called to be faithful. And you know what? At the end of the day, success in the world's eyes and success in God's eyes are two very different things. God's called us to be faithful. And uh, if we'll just do that, God will take care of a whole lot of other things. Um, we won't worry about them. Let's just be faithful and let God worry about those other things. Amen. Why do you love the Lord? Uh, I pray you'll ponder that. And may we be able, like the psalmist, to say distinctly, emphatically, this is why I love the Lord. And not only do I love him, but I want to live a faithful life that will show the world that I indeed love the Lord Jesus. Let's pray tonight. Father, thank you for your word and God, just thank you for the simplicity of it, God, that we don't uh, have to be a brainiac to understand it, Lord. You, you've given it to us in a way that we can understand.